Well, welcome back to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and it's a delight to have you back again today. Now, today I've got a very special guest, somebody from an organization, the British Association of Social Workers, that's dear to my heart, the current chair, Jerry Nasovska, who has just been re-elected for a second term and has been there for another two years to serve in a national capacity, uh, and luckily has had two years under her belt already, so um, should be well-seasoned. Anyway, very welcome to the program, Jerry. Thank you, David. It's good to be here. Okay. Just for context's sake, then, just so our listeners can have a, have a sense of yourself, how, how did you get into social work in the first place? I was uh, doing some voluntary work in Russia because I did a degree in Russian, my first degree before I went to do my social work qualification, and I was working for a homeless charity in Moscow. And when I came back from that, I actually went to a careers advice service because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And they suggested um, doing a social work course. And when I went to start the course and met the people and began to understand the principles that underpin social work and the knowledge and theory that comes into it, I absolutely loved it Mm. and um, never looked back, really. Right. I mean, uh, I, I know that you've got your own um, company, Effective Practice Limited, at the moment that mm-hmm. offers uh, that supports social workers and organisations to, to, I suppose, solve practice issues. Is the would be the kind of bottom line. But you're quite involved all the way through, whether it's individuals, organisations, mm-hmm. local authorities, employers, etc. You, you're very much in demand, I believe. So, um, at the moment, then, how much time do you manage to spend with the British Association of Social Workers? Because obviously, that's a major commitment as well. It varies, to be honest. The expected commitment is around two days a week, mm. and there's an honorarium to support the chair to do that. Sometimes it's less, often it's more. Certainly during COVID 19, it initially was more or less my full time occupation. And it will kind of go up and down. So what I'm lucky enough to be able to do is to fit my work around the commitment to Baswa. But I'm also really conscious that in order to enable any member to be chair or vice chair or treasurer, which carry similar sorts of commitments, we need to make sure that we plan ahead as much as possible and, and offer a good balance. So the new vice chair that's starting in mid-September has a full-time role within the local authority. So we're looking at how we can plan in advance for Basel work and make that fit so that ideally anyone in any position would be able to be an honorary officer. So it should, should be quite smooth. It just depends what's happening, doesn't it, a little bit. Um, but we have an absolutely brilliant executive team. Right. So. No, good. That's, I mean, Ruth Allen is the chief exec, isn't she? Yes, that's right. And her and her senior managers and staff um, carry out the day-to-day work. And... I also have a really great honorary officer team with John Dudley, the current treasurer, and Fran Fuller, the current vice chair. Right. Fair enough. Now, you mentioned it, so we might as well jump straight in there, COVID-19. Mm. Um, it is, uh, it's been a terrible time for everybody. It's an awful time for those bereaved, and it's an incredibly difficult time for those social workers trying to work with the most vulnerable in society. What, what's been your thoughts and kind of feelings that have arisen out of it so far as far as the um, association is concerned? I think the 
the things, the threads that have come through the whole of the pandemic have been a really strong awareness of the struggle that people are facing and the worry that they have and the overlap of personal and professional struggles and worries and also the vital importance of the social work role and therefore of supporting social workers and I think the association Baswa has had a really significant part to play in that we acted really really quickly because we already had a social work in disasters um, policy um, and there'd been preparation done so we were able to move all of our services online within the first day and make sure that all of our staff were okay um, working from home there's been some massive changes in the way that we deliver things some of which I think have um, helped us to do things better but we miss things we, we miss the relational work and the face-to-face -face work mm. and I think the initial response was very much kind of day-to-day -day information guidance advice lobbying and what I feel that with is happening now is that we're going into the long haul so it's really now about how we sustain social workers and sustain the vital services that we offer and so the, the kind of priorities that we have to attend to now will be the the well-being of social workers and the ability to deliver relational work and uphold human rights in a really difficult context yeah yeah very good principles and very taxing because um I know, you know, so many social workers have so much invested in the cases that they work with that the idea of being kind of dislocated from them is very stressful. Yes, we launched a survey right at the beginning uh, on the 16th of March. We had over a thousand responses within a week or so, and that's really informed the work that Baswa has done. So the things that social workers were, were most worried about were their ability to support people and their ability to uphold human rights they were also obviously very concerned about their own safety but it's an altruistic workforce isn't it people really want to be able to go out and help others and i think what's happening now is that as that survey has kind of continued the, the major priorities that people are highlighting are still the human rights role and the um the need for their own protection and, and health and safety and equipment but also a real worry about the impact on the economy and the impact on people's lives from um, growing poverty and difficulty when there was already such a struggle with that so our lobbying and campaigning and the guidance and support that we've been offering has has all been focused around social workers well-being and the and the human rights role but i think we also need to um, boost our our work around anti-poverty practice as well right. And just before I ask you a little bit about the impact that you feel on different groups within the community, um, have, have you picked up a kind of a, a patchwork response from employers uh, or has it been relatively kind of consistent? There's been variation, I think. Certainly the survey um, and the experiences that members have reported have varied. Uh, there have been some really good employment practices and also our advice and representation team have been busier, uh, mm -hmm. so 50% busier at, at the kind of height of, of, um, sort of March, April time. And we've had to do a lot of work to support social workers to get the help and protection that they need. So, for example, the frequently asked questions around employment rights, um, the work that we've done around a risk assessment for staff that they can use and ask their employer to, to use with them. And that includes the 
equality issues. So the human rights problems, the problems around people's um, ability to withstand COVID are not just issues for the population, they're issues for the workforce as well. Uh, fair enough. Um, okay, so the, 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 the different different groups within the community, whether it's age or ethnic origins or whatever, we've held, heard all sorts of different reports as to some being more vulnerable than others, and some being less vulnerable and so forth. I mean, what's been filtering through Baswa as far as you're aware? I know you can't know everything, but I mean, as far as you're aware, have there been particular groups that you felt have been perhaps more vulnerable than they should be? Yes, the research that's come out from um, Public Health England and from the Office of National Statistics from quite early on was really highlighting inequality both in the risk and the outcomes around COVID. Mm. And that relates to many of the areas of oppression and discrimination that we know already exist. So ethnicity, age, um, disability and underlying conditions that people have also mm. socioeconomic factors and gender as well and then there's a real kind of strong link to particular uh, occupations and that would include social care workers so it's something that mm. members were raising anecdotally from the very beginning you know, we're worried about these particular people in these kind of situations but also the research absolutely bears out and I think what COVID-19 has done has really shined a lens on existing inequalities and Basra has always had a role in challenging oppression. It's you know, a fundamental pillar of our code of ethics. And I think what it's shown is, is how much more there is to do and how much more urgent or how urgent that work is. So we are stepping up our equality, diversity and inclusion work. We're already doing quite a lot in council, but we know we have to do much more. Okay. Um, I mean, to, to be quite fair, ethnicity, age, disability, poverty, certain occupations, social care workers you mentioned, etc. I mean, you're talking about a vast population of vulnerable people um, within our community, millions. Um, I mean, and we know there's what, about 100,000 social workers in the UK. Um, mm. quite, quite a piece of arithmetic there. <laughs> I think that's right. I think there's if you think about the kind of individual and structural responses that are necessary, social workers can can and do use evidence and guidance to offer the best that they can to the person and the people and the communities in front of them. But there is a massive structural issue here about the resources available to social work and social care and the inequality in the way that resources are distributed across the UK. And that's something that I think Basel has always um, campaigned on. Um, however, it's it's going to be more and more significant as we go into a recession. Mm. So making sure that the the public and the elected representatives are really aware of the impact on people that are quite easily forgotten and often forgotten and that the um, resources that are made available for the country to, to recover go to the people who need it. I think there is an opportunity for reform in social care and in social work and certainly in England where I'm based there's a lot of um, sector leadership that's calling for that and also leadership from people that have experienced calling for that and that call has got more urgent and Basra is, is very engaged in that work. 
Well, yeah. I mean, just to take one of these particular issues that you mentioned, the actual kind of um, the vulnerability of social care workers. I mean, it, it certainly has seemed, if you like, to the layperson, uh, as far as I could judge it, that um, the uh, status of care workers and the understanding of the, the vital role that they perform, as well as the risk that they've been put under, has elevated people's understanding considerably and hopefully therefore people now, whether it's that particular sector but supported by Baswa and others, can actually kind of, if you like, realign their uh, importance, if you like, and uh, their value within society. I hope so. And I think we also have to do as much as we can to make it so. The, you're right, the recognition of social care and of social work within that has increased. Uh, however, there's still a lot of confusion um, about how social care and social work fit with the National Health Service and with other services. And there's, there's a need to make sure that as social care, I would trust, improves and reforms and attracts the resource it needs to get through the next phase of the pandemic, that there's not a loss of the local expertise and the local skills and the, um, the, the sort of the deployment of social workers to fulfill the kind of social purpose and ethics um, that that doesn't all become subsumed into a healthcare response so we work really closely with with health colleagues um, and the, the two things complement each other so it's making sure that health and social care go hand in hand both in public okay. understanding do, do you have and a good relationship with health do you think i mean at a senior level at a professional body level i think so yes certainly the um chief executive and other senior managers have close links in each of the nations with the um the departments of health and the um mm. the ministers mm. and the representatives um called different things in different countries um the chief social workers have that we have close relationships work closely with health colleagues and we also have um for example in england links in with nhs england um, mm. and health education england to do joint work around professional development and, and we have links with the professional bodies. So, for example, the Royal College of Occupational Therapists. Mm. But I think we, we could do more. And I think now is a good opportunity. And I think particularly building our alliances with social care organisations, um, leaders and um, employers and providers is really crucial. Baswa has just recently written to social care um, organisations to, to express our solidarity and also to, to look for ways that we can work more closely with them. Certainly sounds positive. I mean, uh, again, you know, um, there are so many different things to do. As I, I suspect an awful lot of it's prioritization of time. But, um, you know, it, it, from, from the ground level, multi-agency working right through to top sort of strata, uh, the top sort of strata uh, in terms of senior management and in terms of government, I mean, multi-agency cooperation is always pretty vital, I think. Um, I, I, we, I want to make sure that I get everything we want to talk about in. So I think I'd like to talk about the future a little bit more. And now Baswa's put together something as vision and mission, mission and vision for 2025. So the next five years. And that's being put to the members of the association on the 15th of September at their annual general meeting, which of course, sadly, is uh, going to be a virtual event. But essentially, would you want to some of outline some of the things that are contained in it at the moment. I know it's still at its final stage of consultation, but 
um, is it's, it's going to be very, very soon formalised and put to the membership, isn't it? Yes, that's right. So Basel has had a vision statement for the last five years. It was written in 2015. It was the 2020 vision. Yeah. And that really set out our stall as a professional association to say that we were we are the strong independent voice for social work and social workers and it's really helped to guide all the work that we've done over the last five years so the 2025 vision is to build on that and renew the um the clarity about who we are what we stand for and what we're trying to do so it's a vision and mission statement about who we are and and, and what our work is and it's had a lot of consultation and input from members over the last um at least a year, more than a year, and we're getting, as you say, to the final stages. And the, the purpose of having it is so that all members and wider social work, because not all social workers are members of BASWA yet, um, and people that we work with and people who um, experience social work in whatever way can look at the professional association and understand why do we need one in the first place and what does this association do? So it's, it starts off by saying, we're a professional member-led body for social work and social workers. So we are a people working within social work to improve and strengthen social work. Um, and we're independent. That's really crucial because there's still confusion as to what an association is, what a regulator is, um, what a trade union is, um, what the government and chief mm-hmm. social workers do. The association is, is the social work-led body that speaks for social work without um, any kind of statutory or government function and our mission is in three parts it reflects the work that we currently do and what we're trying to achieve so we want to support social workers we want to strengthen social work through professional development through standards um, and through understanding and evidence around what social work can do and we also work for a a better society Uh, so all our social justice work particularly around equality and um, opposing poverty and upholding human rights uh, what are you going to do in the afternoons? It's huge, isn't it? I mean, you said before about things sounding positive, I and know. I think no, there's a real great. need in well, there's a need in social work, isn't there? Both in kind of our individual practice, but also when we get together to be aspirational and hopeful, um, and that keeps us going. The work is 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 hard. Um, it's necessary, and you see rewards. And there's lots of things that happen that you don't you can't point to and say look we did this but we can see contribute you know this influence that we have and I think it's really important to be strong about what we're trying to achieve and to persevere in it. Basel's been around for 50 years now and I think that that's a testimony to the ongoing optimism dedication and and practicality actually of social workers Mm. we don't just talk about things we do get things done and we keep going good point and i think it's a nice little segue into the fact that this is the heritage year of basma 50 years and there are all sorts of things happening during it um and i think like i mentioned earlier on just a little personal thing uh, which is sort of very pleasing to me that i i happen to be the, the national chair uh, when it was 25 years so um, I'm delighted to see that that's doubled and that Baz was stronger than ever. What, what sort of things are you hoping to um, do during Heritage Year that's different or is it all the things you've outlined and more really? There's a lot going on to celebrate and remember 
and look back and look forward so the whole kind of framing of the heritage year is looking back and looking forward so there are events that are going on we had a big heritage event in june which is actually the replacement for what, what would have been our uh, our face-to-face conference it was an online event and there yeah. will be other things there's a lot of work being done to capture the history and experiences um so for example there's um there's um, anthologies of essays and artwork and um, poetry we're looking at history trails and looking at how we commemorate social workers who may not have been recognized and, and particularly diversity of social work across the UK and there's also uh, going to be I think a lot of reflection and, and, and thinking about the future so the heritage event that we had in June had sessions around how how can social work be the best it can be in the future and one of the big areas that we were looking at was diversity within social work so I think the heritage year is an opportunity to draw on the best of what's happened over the last 50 years and celebrate that and also to think about how we can strengthen and um, deepen our membership and broaden our membership over the years ahead so it actually fits really, really well with the equality, diversity and inclusion work that Baz was doing. Mm. So I think there's a celebration and a remembrance element to it. And then the other big element is looking to the future. How's the world developing? How's the profession developing? How can we be a real leader in that? Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more with the headings you've just done and I wish you well. But I mean, hopefully I can reflect that as the year goes by as well, a little bit like dipping in a little bit more and talking to people. But I'll also put um, on the front page of this podcast um, links, you know, to some of the things you've talked about to make sure that anybody who missed things can actually go and, and have a look and um, uh, can sign up to it or can read it or can kind of get themselves up to speed. Um, now, another thing that's been going on, I, th- I think it's about time we mentioned one or two things, the fact that you are a fellow podcaster. Yeah. Um, you you are the co-presenter of the Helpful Social Work podcast. Uh, and we'll put a link to that on the front page as well. And that's been going for five years now, Jerry, hasn't it? You, 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 you had a five-year veteran. Yes, that started, uh, I do that with a colleague of mine, Joe Fox, and it started actually with us having done a lot of work together around supporting social work managers and mm. practitioners. We put together um, ideas and a structure for a book. And as we wrote it, we realized that maybe adding another book wouldn't be our forte because the thing that we really enjoyed doing was talking about social work and engaging with social workers. Mm. So we decided to take that book and turn it into a podcast. And so the first two series was very heavily drawn on the, the work that we'd done around social work management and social work practice and the kind of ecological view of social work where you think about who you are in your own self-awareness and then look at the layers that impact on you uh, starting with your environment and your colleagues and then looking outward to the organization that you're in and the public context that you're in and the other agencies that are working and then we had to think about what we would do next so I think series three was looking at social work um, from first contact through to the the end of a, um, a relationship with somebody that you've worked with series four we looked at the life course and series five which has just started we are working through the professional capabilities framework in England and the domains uh, that social workers need to have capabilities within so the ethical domains and the knowledge domains and the 
um, influence domains as well. Oh, I mean, it's all good stuff. And I'll, again, I will put a link there because like, um, well, like this pod- podcast, it's hopefully a gift that gives goes on giving because it's free and just like this one, it's free and you can go back to the back copies, back podcasts, all the way back to number one and download them. Um, so, you know, there's an awful lot of good material there that you've done with Joe and um, hopefully people will in- investigate. So I'll put a link to that. Thank you. Um, Okay, we've got maybe about five or ten minutes left, and I, I desperately want to ask you one or two things here. Mm-hmm. Um, just really as much looking to the future, but also kind of looking to things that haven't changed that much. One of the things I'm always passionate about, I don't, you may or may not be aware, but all my working life and all my involvement with BASWA and so on, I have pushed and pushed and pushed about the image of social work to the public and obviously through the media whether that's um, written media broadcast media or social media and it's still in my view um, a situation where social work is very underrepresented except if there's a problem Um, you know all the good work that goes on and we do know that there's tons of good work goes on there's thousands of events every single day of the week that social workers succeed in improving somebody's life or interrupting somebody's abuse or whatever. And yet it's very rare. And I still have never in all my years in social work seen a headline that says social worker does good job. Mm. Are you aware of that with me? And are, are you kind of any thoughts or ideas or experiences that you've had about how we can improve that situation? That's a really important area, isn't it? And I think you're right in saying that it's something that social workers have been living with for a long time and still are. I feel that there's been some progress made uh, over the course of Baswa's um, existence and certainly over even my own career as a social worker, which is about now 16 years, the things that I would point to would be the strengthening of our own understanding of who we are and our own peer support, first of all. I think that's the thing that we can really rely on. There's lots of things that are out of our control that we can influence, but they're out of our control um, around how the media might portray us or how the public might think of us or how the government might um, deploy social workers. Um, Though, as I say, we do influence those things. But I think the thing that we start with is our own understanding of, of who we are and what we do and how important that is. I think that's a really interesting area about how social workers are understood and it's something that social workers have been living with for a long time, the the misunderstandings and misrepresentation of social work. There is quite a lot that I think we can influence and we do work in Baswa um, a lot to get stories out into the media, to put out positive messages about social work, to help people understand what social workers do. I think the work that the professional social work magazine does and the work that our communications team does is really important. Um, Through our external relations, we do work very closely with, for example, local and national governments to help them understand social work better. There is is an issue about how social work is portrayed in the media and understood by the public. And there's some elements of that that we 
we have to live with a little bit because the media is always going to be more interested in negative stories. But I think the work to counter that has improved over, certainly over my experience as a social worker, which is now 16 years since I qualified. Mm. So for example, each country has awards ceremonies for social workers. Um, I think there is greater public understanding and I think the profession itself has um, continued to grow in confidence and clarity about its own ethics and its own purpose. Um, so one of the things I think is is vital here is for us to support each other as social workers and recognise each other and really um, help each other to feel motivated and valued in the work that we do. Mm. Do you think, I mean, one of the, the things that I, I, it's been, a, if you like, a continuing argument from I, I've been making is that employers, the, the, the idea why we don't get a lot of good news out one of them is that employers consistently confuse confidentiality with secrecy um, in terms of you know good news stories. There is absolutely nothing wrong with talking maybe to a 17 or an 18 year old young person who wants to talk about their life, um, you know, provided they're not you know, giving away anything that is hugely distressing or confident, whatever, if they're talking about positivity, if they're talking about how a social worker helped them actually get through bad years. I mean, I, I just, and I, I can't believe it, that also so many social work practitioners, the, those that would be interested in it, aren't even allowed to talk to the press. You know, whereas... In other professions, whether it's medicine or the law or whatever, you, you have much more kind of freedom as a, as a practitioner to actually talk, as long as you're not obviously slagging people off or, or you know, saying kind of scandalous things. But, I mean, all yeah. the good news, it just, it just it always amazes me still that we haven't really got a, an employer situation that recognises the value that they have in terms of their own workers being good spokespeople. I would really like to see that change because you're right, Basra gets quite a lot of media coverage. So um, I was looking at what we've done through COVID and we've had 80 or so sort of national and UK wide stories. But what often is is asked for is a practice perspective, um, which isn't something I can give because I'm not in practice. Mm -hmm. So having members who are willing and more importantly, able to, to, to speak up um, is really significant and we, we work really hard to, to encourage and support Basel members to speak to the press um, and it does vary. Some employers don't mind, others are really wary of it and I think if we could change that, that you're right, that would be really, really helpful. Okay, well look, we've only got a couple of minutes left I think, Jerry. so can I, I was going to, I will ask you still, but maybe to, to, to use it as a sort of a wrapping up exercise as well, which is another look into the future. I don't think anybody would disagree with the fact that the digital world is expanding and that um, methodology in terms of work is changing and the way that we interact with the public is changing are are, are the people that we work for, the people whose service we're there to to give. Um, Whether it's via online, whether it's smart houses, whether it's all, all sorts of different technology coming in to either take over or complement um, social work activity. Well, what's your take on that and, and, and view for the future of, of social work in this country? I think it's a really significant area of development. Just before the pandemic started, 
Basra and Social Care Institute of Excellence in England did a capability statement for digital technology. So capabilities for social workers working with digital technology. And that includes a kind of ethical overview of some of the issues. Um, things like confidentiality and privacy, relational practice, um, the use of algorithms and bias, lots and lots of really significant mm. practice mm. issues. And I think those issues in a way aren't new. What digital um, the digital world is doing is is taking existing problems and, and bringing them into a different sphere. I think it is going to be more and more important for social workers to have digital capabilities, but also for us to to question why we're using particular kinds of technology, whose interests they're in, where's the power, you know, who's who's in charge, um, and how are they furthering or or contradicting sometimes our ethics of, of empowerment and social justice and human rights and also for us to constantly um, question what's the best way of doing things um, you know as we put everything online because we had to during the pandemic and there are some things that have come from that that have been quite good but there's also things that we really miss. And the same goes for practice. You're hearing from practitioners around their experiences in COVID-19. There are some benefits to digital connection, um, virtual relationships, virtual meetings, but there's also a loss there. So it's making sure that we, um, as a profession, are able to use the tools that are the right tools for the right things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think there is going to be some significant changes and in a very odd way, the pandemic has probably advanced some of the, um, some of the activity that would have come anyway in terms of um, how we do our work. But look, Jerry, uh, I'm afraid that's the end. I could go on talking for ages, and I, I, I'm sure you could too. There's just so many different subjects and so many different things to talk about. But I will be putting all the links that I said on the front page of this podcast, and uh, we will definitely be getting it out in plenty of time for people to also have a listen, to have a think about registering for the 15th of September for the annual general meeting. Um, which I'm sure has got a, a wide and a very interesting looking speaker sort of selection already and activity selection. So that's something for people to look forward to. But for now, Jerry Nasovska, thank you. And um, thank you very much for being my guest on the Social World podcast. Thank you for having me.